take our Bibles this morning, please. Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. One of my Sunday school boys said to me this morning, he says, you sound like Darth Vader. And I thought, you know, wasn't that from 40 years ago? And yet these kids know all about Hollywood. That's, that's what struck me is that we, we only have them an hour a week. And then they're back in the world and it wouldn't have been wonderful if they said, you remind me of Jesus. That would have been a blessing. But they're so filled with the world that that's all they could think of. And, and uh, man, I think that's way before their time. And yet, maybe there's more Star Wars stuff out now. I don't know, but it, uh, that's what they said. We're praying this morning for many. There's so many that are sick, and uh, we need to be in prayer for them. Janet McPherson was up all night, and she's not feeling well this morning. Flo Jameson uh, is out. She's not well. So that whole class, and those are the two teachers for one class, so we had to fill in there and... Uh, Heather Wilson's not been feeling well for a couple weeks, and she's having surgery on Tuesday, if you'll remember her. Of course, Joanne uh, Norris has been taking cancer treatment, so her, uh, the treatment's sometimes worse than the cancer, so you, your health is up and down during that time. And of course, they've lost uh, uh, Joanne's uh, sister-in-law this week, and so the emotional strain as well. Let's remember them. The funeral will be on Friday in Burford. And then uh, Mrs. Melvin, uh, she's been doing very well. She... Uh, of course, is going to be starting uh, radiation and chemo uh, coming up very soon, so that'll take a toll on her health, no doubt. But let's remember her. She wrote us an email last night, and it, was, it took me about 10 minutes to read it because she was so excited and all the things she was praising God for, she just kept writing. And that was wonderful to receive an email like that. And uh, she said for three years she's been in a fog and didn't know why. Uh, but once this tumor is gone, she's been feeling so much better and able to think again and, and all kinds of things are going her way. So we praise the Lord for that and let's pray her right through all of that treatment, okay? Uh, we heard Wednesday night after a prayer meeting that Wilford Broughton is home from the hospital. He still doesn't have 100% strength, but he is home from the hospital. At least that's the last I've heard and if we up, have any more, we'll update you on that. All right, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, this morning my wife is sitting on the second row. She will finish my message if I cannot. She writes them anyway, so she's ready to go. John chapter 15, we're looking at the portraits of Christ. I meant to preach this three weeks ago, and uh, that's the day I came down with that flu or whatever. And so uh, we didn't preach it. And of course the next week was anniversary, and last week the Lord burdened my heart about something else. And so here we are, John chapter 15, Jesus, the true vine. And Jesus, the true vine. The Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. 
continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Let's pray. Father, we humbly come before you this morning and ask for your help. And I'm thankful that in our weakness you're made strong. And Lord, we need your help today. My voice is not able really to deliver this message. And so I pray that you would speak to hearts. And Lord, that you would show yourself mighty and remind us today that if we're not grafted into the true vine, we are either independent and worshiping self we are grafted into something much more dangerous. So, Father, help us and speak to our hearts today. May the Spirit of God help me. I surrender to you. I pray that you'd fill me. And, Lord, be with our little ones behind us this morning. I pray the word that they might hear the word of God. There's many there that need to be saved. I pray that you speak to their hearts. Father, bless us, we pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And Jesus made some pretty incredible statements about himself throughout the book of John. There are seven I am's. This is the last of the seven. We have looked at the other six already and through various messages. That doesn't mean we're finished with the book of John, but we will continue on and finish out through the book of John in a few more chapters. But Jesus Christ said, first of all, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the Son of God, I am the resurrection and the life, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. This morning we'll look at the last of these seven declarations, and he says, I am the true vine. This would have been an illustration that was easily understandable for the Israeli people or the Jewish people. If you've ever been to Israel, you'll know that they're just full of vineyards, That is their staple crop, is to grow grapes and and to grow the fruit of the vine. And so this would have been an illustration that was easy for the people to understand. In this illustration, the Lord Jesus Christ laid out for his disciples the relationship that we must have to be fruitful Christians. If anybody is fruitful for the Lord Jesus Christ, they understand this very basic principle that all that we do must be through Christ Jesus. The scripture says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We are nothing of ourselves, and we need his strength, and we need his power. We must be grafted firmly into the vine. I want you to consider some things this morning. The first two points will go very quickly, then we'll spend some more time on the last point uh, point this morning. I want you to notice, first of all, the source of the vine. The source of the vine. The The vine had to be planted by someone. The vine had to have been placed there by someone. Now, I understand that uh, because of the nature of birds and things like that and the wind that would carry seeds and and pollination of of, of bees and things like that, that seeds sometimes end up in different places and they end up growing wildly. I've I've walked through the woods and I've found raspberry bushes out in the woods and you you enjoy those and you find different things that have been planted uh, there wildly. Sometimes you'll see a little, uh, we have all kinds of maple keys in our backyard and every once in a while in the springtime we'll see a little tree starting to come up and we just take it with the lawnmower of course, but uh, those things are growing wildly. The problem is with things that are growing wildly is that they tend to become overgrown, especially things that are in the nature of a vine. They just take over. 
and they grow wildly and they are choked out by the undergrowth and the other weeds. If they are not pruned properly, they will eventually grow long stems and they may produce some sort of fruit, but it is withered and full of bugs and it is often useless if it is not tended to by the husbandmen. This vine was sent here by the, Lord, by the Father God. The Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. We, we often think about this attachment to God. We were just talking to somebody this week and, and witnessing to them a little bit, and they said, well, I, I believe in God. And I said, well, the Bible says, in order to know God, you must know Jesus Christ. You'll remember that Philip said uh, to Jesus, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And he said, have I been so long with you? If you've seen me... You have seen the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. It is Jesus Christ that reconciles us to the Father. And the Bible says that, that he is the true vine. Jesus Christ is that true vine. And my Father is the husband. And, and the implication there is that God has planted Jesus in this world as a way to God. He is that true vine. And so the source of all life, being God, has given us the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those fruit-bearing vines that we're going to talk about this morning are those that are grafted into that true vine. Those that know Jesus Christ. There's a lot of Christians in the world today, but there's not a lot that are fruit-bearing Christians. Christians that are producing Uh, the way the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to produce. And so Jesus is that true vine and God is the source. Now I want you to notice the nature. Secondly, the nature. I said we do the first two very quickly. The nature of the vine, excuse me. First of all, the Bible says, I am the true vine. There's a lot of vines out there that are not real. Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew 24, as he was warning the disciples, he says, many will come in my name. There will be many Christs. The Bible talks about, uh, Christ will say, lo, I am here, and lo, I am here. But don't you believe it? Jesus Christ is the true vine. There are some today that will say, well, there's many ways to heaven. No, Jesus is the true vine. And the fact that Jesus said the word the, the true, that means it's exclusive. Just like he is the way, the truth, the life, he is the true vine. That means everything else is a lie. There was a a clip that was sent to me a little while ago, and of course, uh, much of North America is taken with the religion of Oprah Winfrey today. I was never so thankful than when her show went off the air, praise the Lord. People bow down and worship the things that she says. And there was a little debate going on on her show one of these days, and somebody sent me a clip of it, and, the, and Oprah says, well, I believe in, personally, I'm a Christian, and I believe in Jesus Christ. She says, but I also believe there's lots of ways to go to heaven, and lots of methods to find God, and a lady in the audience said, then why did Jesus die? If there was some other way, why would Jesus have to give his life? If, if the Father looked down and thought, well, there's, there's plenty of ways to find me, why, why would he allow his son to die on a cross? And Oprah just kept arguing and fighting, but you know, that's, that's the world's philosophy today. Well, I believe in God. This lady we talked to, Brother Paul was with me, we, we talked to her about God, but it seems when we brought up Jesus Christ, she kind of withered back into her chair and crossed her arms, and you could see that, That wasn't a topic she wanted to talk about. 
It was fine to believe in God. It was fine to believe in the Creator, but not to believe that He would send His Son, Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, I am the true vine. That word true means not just in name or resemblance, but it is genuine and real in nature. It's real. You know, sometimes I look at the flowers that the ladies put in here. And I, maybe I'm not very good at this, but I look at them. Do you realize that these fake flowers today are starting to look more and more real all the time? They even feel real. Have you ever checked that out? Sometimes you go up and you say, well, I'll just, I'll just check it. And you can touch them and you go, I still can't tell if it's fake or real. You know, that's the nature of the world today. Is that they've got so many counterfeits and the devil's getting better at it. They start to look real. By the way, the devil has power. Well, he doesn't, can't match the name of Jesus Christ. But he'll offer you the world. We have to understand that Jesus is the true vine, is a testimony unto himself. And the word true means to be genuine and real in nature in every respect corresponding to the name. And it is something, here, listen to this, that word true means this, something that lives up to expectations. I'm here to tell you every other false religion in this world will leave you wanting. It'll leave you cast into the lake of fire. It won't find your name written in the Lamb's book of life. It is not the true vine. The word true also means opposite to what is fictitious, counterfeit, or pretended. I don't know about you, but we need a little bit of truth today. I'm tired of of people saying today, well, they're a, a peaceful people. Baloney. Peaceful people don't blow up buildings. They don't kill innocent people. They don't take hostages. That's a religion of hate. And we need to call it what it is. We need a little truth today, and we need the true vine. Now, let's come into our message this morning with our third point. I want you to notice the importance of the true vine. We identify the Lord Jesus Christ as the true vine, that he is real, that he is genuine, that he will live up to expectations, that in every respect he corresponds to the name. He is the true one. He is truth. We understand that he was put there by the husbandman. The Lord Jesus Christ sent him here to to die on a cross for our sins. The Bible very plainly says, for God so loved the world that he gave. We know that the husbandman put Jesus Christ here. Now I want you to notice the importance. First of all, it is life-giving. It is life-giving. Do you know there's no life outside of the Lord Jesus Christ? Consider some of his other titles. I am the resurrection and the, the life. To know him is to know life eternal. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There's life in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the true vine and that vine is life-giving. The Bible says in verse 2 of chapter 15, Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. You see that that branch that is in me, in verse 2, brings forth fruit. That means it is life-giving. That fruit is something that has nutrients and it needs oxygen and it needs water and it needs all those things that, that, that form that fruit. But it flows from the vine and through the branches. Those that are in Christ understand what that life-giving is. Now, look at verse 6. <clears throat> if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch 
and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. We see the contrast here. We see those that that are grafted in the vine, and they understand that it is life-giving, and they rely upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But those that refuse that life, those that are not fruit-bearing, are cut off from the vine, and they are cast away. It is essential to fruit-bearing. If we are going to be fruit-bearing Christians, we must understand that we must be engrafted in the vine. We wonder why sometimes our lives have no effect. Are we making an impact on others? Listen, let me encourage you. Take some small victories every once in a while. I pastored a small church for a lot of years, and I took a church that had 42 people the first Sunday we were there. And, and uh, you know, we had helped Pastor Masker start the church and 42 people. And it seemed like for four or five years, those first few years, that's all we did was 40, 50, 53, 54. It just seemed like it was such slow growth. And then all of a sudden, God just began to bless and church grew and God gave us a building and things took off. But those first few years, I'm telling you, you just keep laboring and laboring and wondering, are we having any impact? And somebody said to me one day, say, how do you keep encouraged? Same 50 people every, every week. How do you keep encouraged? I said, we, we look at the small things. We get encouraged by the small victories. I said, last week somebody came down to the altar. It's never come down the altar ever. God was working in their heart. Saw a difference. I got a little small encouragement this morning. I don't know if you noticed, but I went and sat with the kids, and one of the little boys got up and came over just to sit beside me. That was a blessing to me. You know, because it says, hey, I appreciate you coming to my Sunday school class and investing in my life and coming to master clubs and just him getting up and saying, I want to sit by the pastor. Boy, that was a blessing to me. I take those little victories. So take those little encouragements. You wonder sometimes, am I, am I impacting people? Listen, just stay engrafted in the vine and the fruit will come. Just keep trusting Jesus and God will give the fruit. You know, it's essential to fruit bearing, but there's only two choices here. One, to be a castaway. To be a castaway. That doesn't mean you're not saved. The Bible here says in verse 2, Every man in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. The fact that we're in Christ means we're saved. If we're in him. But it means that we can become useless for Christ. Paul says, I keep my body under subjection, lest I become a castaway. Even the Apostle Paul understood that he could become useless for Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Who's he talking to? Brethren. He's talking to saved people. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may do that what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. That, that's God's will for our lives, that we keep submitting ourselves and keep trusting in the vine and being engrafted in the vine and, and just soaking up his nutrients so that one day we'll bear fruit and that we'll do something great for God. There's two choices. One is to be a castaway. And it's important that we abide. Verse 6 says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. See, it's not about being in Christ. It's about abiding in Christ. It's about living in Christ. It's about everything being about Christ. 
It's about waking up in the morning and saying, how can I bring God glory today? It's about soaking up in the word of God and meditating on it. It's about being courageous and bold to do the word of God. I, I taught our Sunday school class a few weeks ago, Joshua chapter 1. The Bible says, just turn there quickly. Joshua chapter 1, look there with me. Verse 6, God is speaking to Joshua and he's giving him some instruction now to take the land. In verse 6, he says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. And verse 7 says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now, in verse 6, he gives him a command. In verse 7, he gives him a command. In verse 6, he says, be strong and of a good courage. In verse 7, he says, only be thou strong and very courageous. Which one carries more weight? Which one is he trying to bolster him up more? In verse 6, we understand what very means, don't we? He says in verse, uh, verse 7, sorry, in verse 6, he says, only uh, be strong and of a good courage. And in verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. In verse 6, he's saying, I want you to be strong and of a good courage. And he's referring to dividing up the land. Dealing with people's jealousies. Amen? Well, Levi got a bigger parcel of land than Benjamin did. And they're going to, you know, you know how people are. He's dealing with about sending men to war. They had to fight to take the land, didn't they? There was battles to be won. He says, be strong and have a good courage. But in verse 7, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about obeying the Bible. And he says, in order to obey the Bible, you're going to have to be strong and very courageous. He's saying it takes more courage to stand upon the word of God. It takes more courage. Why? Because it's not popular in our day. The people don't want to hear the word of God. It's considered a hate crime in some places to preach the unadulterated word of God. But if we don't want to be a castaway, we have to abide in Jesus Christ. Because abiding in him is who bears fruit. The word abide means to remain or to spend time with. To abide. I said there was two choices. One is to be cast away. The second is to be purged. The Bible says in verse 2 of John chapter 15, Every branch in, bear, in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. The word purge means to cleanse of filth, impurities, etc. It means to prune the trees and vines from the useless shoots. I don't know about you, but that sounds like it could be painful. It might hurt a little bit. We showed a skit to the teens a while ago, uh, I guess about a year and a half ago now, and we had a little skit on a video that we showed the young people. It was just simply called The Chisel. It's about a 10-minute video, and, and maybe we should share it with you, maybe New Year's Eve or something. It's just got a phenomenal message to it. 
The story was about a man that wanted to serve God and he wanted to do whatever he could to, to bear fruit in his life. And so he approached God and, and God comes out and talks to him. And just understand, it's just a skit. Nobody was trying to be sacrilegious or anything. But God got behind the man with a hammer and a chisel. And he says, well, I'm going to have to shape some things in your life. And he took that chisel and he put it to the man's back and he, you could hear it ring. And the man went, oh. He says, no, we can't do this. He says, but if you want to be useful, if you want to be fruitful, you're going to have to let me work on your life. And for the next few minutes, he began to chisel things away from his life and I got to tell you, the teen class was dead silent as they watched this illustration. That's what pruning is. God wants to chisel away some things in your life, but are we willing to let him have them? Uh, the, The scary thing about this is God is the husband, then Jesus is the true vine, and we as branches have way too much control because of something God has given us called free will. And we grab onto those things and we hold on to them when we don't let God prune them out of our lives. And yet, we say, God, we want to be fruitful, and yet we keep our hands firm and gripped onto all those things in the world. Well, to God, we just let go and let him prune and chisel them out of our lives. There's only two options. You're either a castaway or you're pruned. Now, pruning was something... I wanted to look up and understand what pruning was. and I, So I looked up in just a regular old encyclopedia, and I read some things about pruning, and I thought, boy, isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ would use this illustration because it fits so perfectly. And so the Israeli people, those that were having vineyards, the husbandmen there in the crowd could go home and teach their children and know exactly what Jesus Christ was speaking about. And I learned some things. Now, listen, Jesus Christ used this illustration on purpose. That we might understand this relationship we are to have with him. To that end, I looked some things up and I want you to notice a couple things. First of all, the purpose of pruning. Now this is just out of an encyclopedia. I I wrote these down exactly as they found them. All right, Now I'll make some comments in between. But here was the first heading. The first heading was the purpose of pruning. The first thing was remove any dead, damaged, diseased or unproductive stems. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying? Any branch of me that beareth not fruit, I shall take it away. It will be cast into the fire and it is useless. That is the purpose of pruning. To remove overly tangled stems. Hey, aren't you glad the Lord does that from time to time? Aren't you glad that when you just feel like you can't move forward and you can't breathe and you just the world is collapsing all around you, the Lord just comes along and starts picking out the weeds? Man, isn't that good to know? That's the purpose of pruning. God, God, listen, sometimes we think pruning is going to hurt. Pruning isn't just about, it's about letting the vine free to grow. It's about cutting away some of the deadness, getting away some of that dead weight in our lives. And those things that are overly tangled. The third purpose of pruning was to remove errant stems, especially those growing away from the support of the vine. Think about that. To remove errant stems. 
you have the vine and then you have the branches going out and then every once in a while some stems will start growing out in the wrong direction. And they'll droop down to the ground and they'll become unproductive. They'll lay there in the dirt and they're, they're useless. Why? Because they're growing away from the vine. They don't have enough strength to support themselves. Sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We have a branch and we think, well, we'll just branch out over here and we'll, we'll try this new thing and we'll try that new thing. But if we're not grafted in the vine, if we're not doing it God's way, then we're just going to be useless and unfruitful. So he trims those off. Here's the fourth purpose of pruning, to direct its growth. To direct its growth. You know, God has a plan for your life. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. God has a plan for our lives, and so the, the whole purpose of the, the husband and coming in and pruning out, how many of you have ever seen vineyards that are growing out on those wires? They'll, they'll literally take some of those stems and they'll tie them in the direction they want them to go. So that they grow with the support of the vine. Sometimes God has to come and rein us in and direct our growth. But the fifth thing was this, to limit its growth. To limit its growth. We have some trees in our backyard. I know they're not vines. But I'm looking at having in the springtime to probably have to put a new roof on my house. And my shingles are starting to curl up. And I'm, I'm afraid it might start leaking if I don't do something soon. But in the process of getting up there, I'm noticing that uh, this year when I clean my eave troughs out, I've always had to clean out the bottom eave troughs. But we, are, we have two stories over the garage. I've never had to clean those top eave troughs. Because they're tall enough that that the leaves are, are not getting in there. This year they were full. Those trees behind my house have grown over the last five years enough now that they're filling up those higher eave troughs as well. But not only that, there's some branches that are coming and they're starting to scrape on the house a little bit. And they're going to affect the new shingles I put up. So when I put up a new roof, I'm hoping that I can use a, a lift of some sort and I can cut back some of those branches so they don't cause a problem. God says, or the process of pruning is to limit growth. Sometimes we need to understand that, that when, when a Christian comes into our church and they get saved and they get baptized, they need a little discipleship. Sometimes people just take off and we throw them into all kinds of ministries and we need to be careful that we're limiting their growth. I'm not saying stunting their growth. I'm not saying stopping their growth. I'm saying discipling them so they have a good foundation. How many times have we seen people get saved, get baptized, and we never see them again? They need that foundation, which is Christ Jesus. And that's what the pruner, the husband, will do. He'll limit their growth in the right direction and make sure they have a good foundation before they grow. Now, let me show you the second thing we learned. It's the process of pruning. How do we prune? Again, right from the encyclopedia. Cut to healthy wood if removing dead diseased, or damaged growth. In other words, cut out all the death. Cut out all the disease. Let nothing of it remain. Can you imagine in the life of a Christian how that might hurt? God comes in with his chisel and his pruning shears and he begins to clip away things that we hold dear and yet God says they're sinful. God says let them prune them. The, the process of pruning says you need to cut it all the way back to healthy wood. If you leave even just a little bit, 
of the disease or the, the death that is there, it will not grow. And so we need to cut it out. Don't allow death and disease to remain. That's sin in the life of a Christian. Here was the second thing. Cut back to a lateral shoot or a bud. You say, what, that, what does that mean? Think about this. When you're trimming that vine, they're cutting back to a shoot or a bud. And what they're saying is we're going back to where there was last evidence of growth. That's where it took place. That's where it budded, and that's where maybe it went off in the wrong direction, so we're going to trim it back, but that's where it was last alive. We're going to cut out the disease and the death and, the, and all these other things, this, this damaged growth, but we're going to go back to where a shoot or a bud, that is the evidence of where that branch was last seen growing. God is so concerned about our growth that that's where he'll cut us back to. He'll prune us to the point where he says, here's where you're growing. I'm going to take you back a few years. I'm going to step back in time, if we will, and we're going to go to a place where you were on fire for God. You know where that normally is? Is back at the altar. Back on our knees before God. Back on our face in our prayer closets. But there's something that God's going to do to get a hold of our lives. Can I, can I say this? We could avoid a lot of pruning if we would just be faithful in getting into God's word and getting on our face before God and, 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 and growing in the right direction, allowing God to, to taper those, those vines and direct our growth rather than having to wait till we need pruning. Allow God to work on a daily basis. But he's going to take you back to where he last saw you grow. Here's the third thing. Cut to a bud or a stem that is pointing in the direction you want the vine to go. In other words, when the vine becomes errant, they'll cut back to where it's pointing in the right direction. The longer you go without pruning, the longer your errant growth becomes, and the further from the vine. So God's going to cut it back to where it's pointed in the right direction. That mean, might mean a lot of loss, but we need to submit to it and allow God to work in our lives. You say, why am I not bearing fruit for God? Why am I just sitting here in the pew and I don't see any production? I haven't won a soul in years. I haven't even told anybody about Christ. I, I, I don't see anything reproducing in my life. Maybe it's errant growth. You need to allow God to cut it back today so that it's pointed in the right direction. And here's the fourth thing in the process of pruning. Cut cleanly and don't leave a stub, which is an invitation to bugs and diseases. The Bible says the old man is dead. Behold, all things should become new. Don't leave things in your life that are going to cause temptation. Don't go backwards. Cut cleanly from the world. Put that stuff in the past. There's a verse in the Bible that just kind of popped into my mind, and I, I can't think of the reference off the top of my head, but it talks about those that revive those dead works. Do you know what I'm talking about? Why, why when we've been renewed by the grace of God, would we revive those dead works? Why would we go back to the old man, that, that thing that we know has poisoned us? So cut it off, and once we have been purified, remove the temptation in your life to revisit it. 
We used to tell people, and a fellow come in and he'd say, you know, I struggle for years with drinking. So he says, I, I can't even go into a restaurant that serves alcohol. Not at all. He said, I don't want to walk past the bar. I don't want to smell it. Well, if that's a temptation in your life, that's a wise choice. Stay away from it. He says, my problem is I'm stuck at eating McDonald's all the time. I can't eat anywhere else because everywhere else serves alcohol. But he says, that's a small price to pay. I don't want to go back to the life. Cut it out. People quit smoking. I can't be around smokers anymore. The, the smell of it is a temptation. People that have struggled with marijuana and drugs, they don't want to smell that stuff anymore. They don't want to be around that stuff. you got to cut it out of your life. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's people. Well, that's not very kind or Christ-like. Hey, if they're, if, if, they're, if they're causing you to sin, they're not your friend. If they're leading you down the wrong path, they're not your friend. Your friend is the husbandman that wants to cut you back and get you grafted back in that true vine again. Let me ask you this this morning. If you're not grafted in the true vine, what are you grafted in? Are you already a branch that's been cast away? Are you useless for God? The Bible says they're only fit to be burned upon the fire. Or let me ask you this. Are you grafted into a fake vine? There's lots out in the world that'll offer you everything. And you're receiving something from somewhere. It's pretty black and white. There's, there's the true vine. Or there's fake vines. Or there's branches that are cast upon a fire. Where do we fit in? If we're in the true vine... Let me encourage you this morning, let God prune your life that you might be fruitful for him. Let's pray. Father, help us. Speak to our hearts today. Father, is pretty feeble this morning, but we pray that you would take the weakness and make it strong, that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to hearts. Help us to understand that we must be in Christ, but not just in Christ, but we must abide in him in order to be fruitful and useful for you. I can't imagine a Christian that wouldn't want to be used of God, that wouldn't want to have an impact for Jesus Christ, that wouldn't want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. <laughs> so Lord, I pray that you'd help us to examine our lives and find out, are we engrafted in the vine? Are we cast away as a branch? Or have we found another vine to latch on to? That's not of Christ. Speak to our hearts, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open even now. Are you in the vine? Are you a child of God today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Maybe there's one to say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I, I'm not sure if I were to die today where I'd go. Could I help you? Could we pray with you today? I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call out your name. <laughs> Is there one? Maybe there's some here today who say, Preacher, I need to be fruitful, and I just, I, I just need to open up my life and love God to prune me. 
would you just pray? Would you just surrender to the Lord today and allow him to do his work in your life?